Here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the end. Everybody in the room is going to make it there. If Jesus does not return, it's a morbid thought potentially for some. Young people typically don't want to think of it. It's too far off. Middle-aged people start thinking, have I wasted it? And old people are embracing it because they look forward to Jesus. I talked with someone on their dying bed and you would think that their thought would have been, I just want to live longer. I want to see my grandkids more. I want to see my wife more. And they're on the dying deathbed. But you know what he was? He was an older, older man in his late 80s. His one thought was, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to meet my Savior. I rarely see that in a 10-year-old or a middle-aged person. Usually at middle age, you're thinking about buying a new car, a new hobby. We call it the midlife crisis. But in this room right now, no matter what age you are, there's a red bracket waiting on you. And how you live it in between the two brackets is up to you. You can waste it. You can make the best of it. You can blame it, become a victim, or you can become a victor. Inside those brackets, we all have a story. Some of our stories are horrible and some are wonderful. But we all get a story and our stories are to connect with God. And I want to teach you today how to get to the end well. I want to teach you how to hit the end of your life. And you can die with a smile on your face. And you can die with hope in your heart. And hopefully get there and not say, I've wasted it. I really never even thought that way till I hit 50. And at 50, I thought, dear God, I'm halfway home. I'm rounding second base. If I live to be 100, I'm passing second. But you know as well as I do in a baseball game, you can pass second, pass third. It means nothing. The only thing that means something is you better get home. You can lose an entire game leaving every person on base. They all got to get home to win. And the goal is not you getting a base hit, applause. It's not about your batting average. Your goal is, will you make it home? And when you slide into home, however you make it, there will be an umpire named God who will either go safe or you're out. And that can sometimes sting. Let's talk about how to get to the end well. Here's the thought. In Luke chapter 18 is a very interesting story of a woman that's desperate in life. One day Jesus told his disciples the story about a desperate woman who was hard in her luck. And he starts it this way. One day Jesus told his disciples, Luke 18, want a story to show they should always pray and they should never give up. Here's my slide to show you what's happening. In your walk with God, there's the spiritual life you should always pray, but there's the emotional life. You should never give up. Now, both of these are critical to you making it to the end. Well, if your spiritual life is not taken care of, you make it to the end and you slide into home and you're out. If your emotional life isn't well, you're, you're a disaster while you're in between your two brackets. You may be called safe at home, but the bracket of your life is miserable. Because if you can't handle your emotional life in between the brackets, life is a hellhole. We get frustrated and irritated and aggravated and medicated and whatever. 
So both of those, according to Jesus, I'm going to tell you a story. You should always pray. In other words, you're a spiritual being. Never forget you're a spiritual being. Always pray. There has to be a connection between you and the eternal God. There has to be a connection between you on planet Earth and the God that dwells in the universe. You have to know him. Oh, but P.S., never give up. Because in your trying to know him and you're pressing into him and you're talking to him, the emotional side will start wanting to give up. But he's never there. He never answers. Where is he? I don't understand. Why all the problems? Why all the pain? And both of those will determine the success of your brackets. Because the beauty of God is not just to slide into home plate and get safe. The beauty of God is in the middle of your brackets. You're to be a testimony. You're to be a shining example. You're to make people jealous of the eternal God because they watch how you live inside your bracket. Whether you like it or not, people are watching how you handle the bracket. When all hell breaks loose, is your emotional life connected to God through your spiritual life? So you're like, ah, it's water off a duck back, baby. Or are you always cussing and mad and upset and having to apologize and scream, whatever your addiction is, right? I want to teach you how to handle both of these so that you can end well. Anybody want to end well? I want to end well. I want to get to the end. This is weird, but I do. I cannot wait, I hope. I don't want to say my fingers are crossed because that's luck. I, I believe by faith that when I stand there, oh, the beauty of the sound of, hey, boy. Good job. Come on in. And I might walk in like <laughs> a little beat up, a little scarred up. But oh, I made it, baby. I made it. And when they lay me to rest, I hope there's a whole plethora of people that go, I want to know the God that man knew. I'm sure there may be a few. I want his guitars. You can have them. But what I want people to say is I made them jealous of the God that I know because how I lived in my brackets. So let's see if I can get you there. Here we go. This is Jesus, same story of the woman that was desperate. This is the Jesus that said, always pray and never give up. I tell you, Luke 18.8, he will grant, talking about the Father, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, meaning he's coming back, how many will he find on earth who have faith? This is Jesus. This is the one that said, pray, but don't give up. Is the same guy that questions, you're probably going to give up. What? You just told me to always pray and never give up. And now this question, well, I don't know when I come back. Probably just going to be a handful of you. Like, that's literally what Jesus is saying. He's saying when he comes back, he wonders if he can even find anybody who still has faith. Now, that makes me a little concerned as a human. Because I imagine most of us in here today are thinking, well, I'm going to make it. That's why I came to church today. But when the God that made the planet comments, I just don't really think a lot are going to. It makes me go, well, gosh, I want to be part of the green and the blue when the yellow shows up. I want to be at least one of the many. I, I, I want to at least be one that he finds faith in. So what it tells me, here's what's strange. What it tells me 
is that the brackets of time can erode the faith that you have. And when he comes, you won't have faith. And when he comes, you get called out because you lost your faith in the brackets. I find this to be true from what I study. People who die don't lose their faith. That's when their faith is acclaimed. It's people who are alive who lose their faith. You can't even find them anymore. They're hurt, they're mad, they're bitter, they're anxious. They quit, they gave up, they threw in the towel. Life hurt them, people hurt them, preachers hurt them, elders hurt them, exes hurt them, and the faith is gone. Watch what Jesus says. This is interesting. This again is Jesus. Maybe this is why he said, I wonder if anybody will have faith when I get back. This, 2022, I'll say, is nothing compared to what is coming in 2022. So this is Jesus 2,000 years ago. Nothing is compared to what's coming. They're going to throw you to the wolves and kill you. Everyone hating you because you carry my name. And then things will go from bad to worse. Anybody feel like we're there yet? All right, just making sure you know Jesus is pretty prophetically spot on. It will be a dog-eat-dog. Anybody feel like that's where you're living right now? Everybody at each other's throat. Anybody want to say that's where we're living right now? And everybody hating each other. I don't know about everybody, but we're doing a doggone good job. In the confusion, lying preachers. I put it in red because I hope that's not me. <laughs> I read that and I thought, my God, he included me. Jeez, help me. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be a lying preacher. That's why I try to be so transparent. Don't you ever think I got my act together. I have not got my act together. What I do have together, though, if anybody can do it, I know he can do it. All things. <laughs> don't you ever think this old boy's got his act together. I'm just pressing in all the time. Well, lying preachers, that means there'll still be religious people here. That means there'll still be people talking about the Bible and God and love. And, but they'll deceive you. And many others will come because of the overspreading of evil. How many of you believe evil's kind of becoming overwhelming lately? Or oh, it ain't nothing like it was in the 60s. I mean, it was probably there. We just didn't have social media. But I will say it's a little bit worse today. When I see a pudgy man, pudgy, I'm going to go fat. He was fat. I see a fat man win a beauty contest for Miss America. Man, I, I looked at that and thought, God, there's hope for me. I could become a Miss America contestant right now because that's how dumb our nation has become. How would you feel if I decided right now to try out for Miss America? He did. He was a little pudgy boy. He, he put on a dress. He looked like a man. He had a dress, though, and he, and he won. Well, welcome to the world. That doesn't bother me. It's the world. I don't expect him to love Jesus, so I don't, I don't exceed it. I'm not trying to change it. I'm just saying that's the world we live in. And because of that, it'll be so overwhelming, nothing will be left of your love but a mound of ashes. Now, that's Jesus. I think that's probably why I said, I wonder when I come back if I'll find any faith because 
the faith in your brackets is going to be an overwhelming world of evil, a dog-eat-dog world, people hating each other, pressing on you, and you're going to feel like if you're not careful, your love is going to meld into a false love, and you will be deceived and not even love him. And when he shows up, you'll have all these giddy feelings about him, but no faith. That's what Jesus said. So let's look at what's really going on. It's really not about the end of your life that the war is. It's not, about your, it's not about your cars, your houses, your money, your health. The one thing that the enemy is fighting for is that you bear the name of Jesus. And he wants to destroy that name. Go back to the verse. Just pop back a slide. I put it in pink. Everybody will hate you because you carry my name. Now you can go back to the war. Oh, the war is not for your kids. It's for the name. It's for the name of Jesus. He wants to discredit the name of Jesus. That's why they don't really care about anything, but they don't want you saying, you, here's the weird thing about America. Don't get me preaching. I'm about to go deep here. I got to hold it back. Reel that bad boy back in. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about the American culture. Let me tell you something. You can believe in anybody in this nation. Anybody. You can believe that there's a bald-headed alien with one eye. Call him God. Everybody's like, oh, we love you. You can believe in anything. You can believe that there is a pink unicorn that created the universe. And man, you can be teaching a class in college. But. You say the name Jesus. You sorry, no good, homophobic, race. You are just immediate. Does that not make you just? Yes. 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 Sir. I can believe in a pink unicorn with one eye, but not Jesus. Yes, because we hate that. That ought to tell you something's real about it. That ought to tell you that something about the name of Jesus is real in the spirit world. Can't even put the Ten Commandments up. I love what my Oh, if you want to go deep Wednesday night, Ten Commandments, watch it. It, it, ooh, it was good. I love what my mother said. After, she said, you ever wonder why Ten Commandments irritate people? All it says is just don't murder. <laughs> don't commit adultery. She said, you don't even have to be a Christian to know murdering and adultery doesn't go well for you. But when the Ten Commandments are not about don't murder and commit adultery, but they're about the revelation of Jesus Christ, we hate it, get it off the wall. So know this, there is a war to stop the name of Jesus in your life. There's a war for you to love Him, but not know Him. There's a war for you to sing to Him, but not embrace Him. There's a war for you to read the Bible, but not live it. There's a war for you to give your money, but you're not committed. If I can land this plane today, I land this plane telling you there's a war for your soul. And it's to rob you of an intimate embrace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is to dumb you down to where he's nothing more than a name and a religion. And you don't know him. You don't know him. You know him, but you don't know him.
You know him. You take your hat off before you eat, but you don't know him. You know him because you know how to act on Sunday, but you don't know him. That's what the fight's about. The fight is not keeping you out of church. It's not like the devil was at the door going, y'all don't go in there today. He's going to start singing all things are possible. <laughs> he opened the door and let you come in. He doesn't care if you sing, if anybody can do it, I know you. He doesn't care if you sing that. He'll be sitting in the back clapping. Thank God they got a click track because he was the God of worship. He's probably glad we're all on a click track singing on key. But when you walk out the door, all he needs is you sing to him, but you don't know him. You heard a good message, but you don't know him. And you will lose the faith because of it. Let's jump in. I'll give you what I think will help. The question isn't how and when I will die. The question is, will I still have faith when I die? Here's the scriptures. Jesus in Matthew 24, set same passage where he just wore you out with dog eat dog world and hate and evil and bear my name and carry my name. He goes on to say, stay with it. That's what God requires, staying with it to the end. You won't be sorry, you'll be saved. So not only Jesus says, I wonder if I'll find faith. He believes so much that you will. He says, stick to it. Don't you throw in the towel, boy. So you had a bad day, boy. Get up, Mark. Know me, Mark. Know my name. Know who I am. Get up, boy. Oh, but it was a rough weekend. I know. Grab your hip, boy, and get going with me. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Know me, boy. Stop knowing your problems more than you know me. Stay with it, boy. Yes, sir. I'm in, God. But so many people aren't. So many people don't know how to keep going. So many people don't know how to take the sore and the scars of life and keep moving with him. He's cheering you on. Get out of bed, Mark. Let's go. I got a kingdom to run here, boy. No, most Christians lay in bed. I don't know why he won't answer my prayer. I don't know why he won't heal my gimp hip. <laughs> right? We're all human. It can be irritating sometimes. Gimp hip and all. You got to throw the covers off. You got to throw the gimp hip over the bed. You might have to call your dog and say, help me get to the bathroom. What you going to the bathroom for with a gimp hip? I gotta, I don't wear makeup, but I live with all women. I gotta get my makeup on. What you gotta do your makeup for? Because I'm going out to move the kingdom forward. Right? My God, if half of us would do that, we might see revival instead of sing about it. Get up out of bed, he says. Stay with it to the end. Oh, I love like only Jesus could say it. You won't be sorry. <laughs> you won't be sorry, Phoebe. Brandon, you won't be sorry, buddy. Who I feel this for you, Daniel. You won't be sorry. You will stand in front of God Almighty, Daniel. I feel the Holy Ghost for you. You will stand in front of him. And when you get there, there will be a smile on your face. Welcome home, boy. 
Ain't nobody in this room going to be sorry. Nobody going to stand in front of God sorry. When you stand in front of him, your shoulders will be weared back. It will pay to serve the Lord God Almighty. Keep on keeping on. They may hate you here. They may talk about you here. Who cares? You won't be sorry when you get there. Whew, man, I just, I feel, ah, I feel like I just am back Pentecostal. I want to run. I'm afraid if I start running, I'll, I'll be not able to preach. I'll be like, gee, <laughs> help me, God. I, this, hey, look, this plane ride is going to be bumpy while we land. You ever been on one when it's about to land? You're like, oh, Lord. Like, Let's land the plane. Here's a verse. This is Paul. Well, you take over. I'm about to die. He was at the red side of his bracket. My life's an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. He must have settled something. It's the only one worth running. I've ran all the others, but this one tops them all. And I'm running hard to the finish, man. You're going to bury me and I'm going to still be believing. I've believed all the way. Come on, somebody. I've believed all the way. And now there's nothing but shouting and God's applause. Oh, dear Lord. Can you imagine Monday morning? You have had a hellacious weekend. And on Monday morning, get hip. You throw the covers off. And all of a sudden, the angels are like, hey, what's, what's brewing up here? Mark's getting out of bed. Woo, come on, Mark. And then Hebrews 12 and all the great cloud of witnesses stands over the side and looks down at my little bed. And they're going, get them, boy. Go get them, boy. Go get All of God is applauding you to get busy about his kingdom. They're not, the, the angels, the angels of heaven, Moses, all of them that have gone before you, they're not up there in like a, a round table going, oh, 2022 is so much worse now than when we were there. No. Every one of them is applauding you. Here's the answer. Here's what I think. For your faith to endure, it will require you to believe all the way. Not halfway, not 99%. I saw the funniest thing. I saw the funniest thing. I like memes and funny videos. It just makes my life better. One of the meme accounts I follow is called Fail Army. It's just where people fail and you get to laugh at them because you don't know them. <laughs> this dude is rounding second base. He rounds third base, running for everything he's got. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. You see the guy in the outfield take the ball. Here comes the ball. Here comes third. Running. Oh, this is so funny. I love it. Dives to the plate. Boom. I guess he was too fat because he didn't slide. <laughs> he just hit the dirt and stopped that short of the plate. Out. <laughs> is that what you want? Come running around third. Diving into home and that short. Because you didn't go all the way. 
You got cocky. You got egotistical. You got emotional. You got all about yourself. I'll teach you how to get there real quickly. One scripture. Yet all things, Paul again, Philippians 3, that I thought were so important are gone from my life. But compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, nothing's going to compare to this. I'm going to tell you a brief story about knowing Christ. Put it up there, Joe. That next slide. I am convinced there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people. People who at least say they're saved. Christians, believers, church members, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of God in Christ, whatever you want to label it. But they don't know him. I was 16 years old. I got my first guitar. I couldn't play worth a rip, but I didn't care. I found one chord and I loved it. And I would go down to my dad's church and I would play that guitar and I would just sing and sing in the spirit and write dorky lyrics about Jesus and I would talk to him every day. My fingers would be raw of just me singing to Jesus, just listening and singing, reading my Bible, wanting to know and praying. And then when I hit 21 years old, my wife was killed tragically by a drunk driver. It was May 19th, 1989. It was 10.02 in the, in the morning when I got the call. Mr. Evans, we need you to come to the hospital. Your wife has been in an accident. Is she okay? Well, we don't give that kind of information out on the phone. We just know you need to get here. I know that, but, but I need to know, is she okay? Mr. Evans, we're not allowed to give out any information on the phone. We just, you just need to get here as quickly as you can. So in 1989 of May 19th, I drove about an hour and a half to a hospital. I got into that hospital, and as soon as I walked in and I said, uh, I'm Mr. Evans, I got a phone call that my wife's been in an accident and I need to see her. Yes, just a minute, Mr. Evans. And about that time, a doctor in a white coat and another doctor in a white coat walk out. I had this eerie feeling like this is not normal. They said, come back through here, Mr. Evans, with us. And they took me down a hallway and they took me into a little room. And I'm in a little room with two white coat doctors and about six nurses. And I'm thinking, this is weird. I just want to see my wife. And the doctor said, Mr. Evans, we, we hate to say this, but your wife didn't make it. We did everything we could to save her, but we could not save her. She's dead. And I said, no, God can resurrect her from the dead. God can raise her up from the dead. And he said, Mr. Evans, I'm telling you, your wife has passed. She won't be coming back from the dead today. And I said, yes, she will. God can raise the dead. And he said, Mr. Evans. And the nurses started gathering around me. Not today, Mr. Evans. Your wife has passed. She's no longer with us. And we're sorry. And then I said, well, I don't know if she'll come back, but I know the one person that did come back, he was raised from the dead, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if he could raise from the dead, then it counts for all of us. And I said, and right now, I just want to pray for all of you. And weird. I went around and laid hands, and I prayed over all of them, and I blessed them, and I blessed their, their work for my wife to try to keep her alive. The coroner came in and took me on down the hall into a little room. It was about this size of a room from the piano to about right here and she was laying on a gurney and I walked over to the gurney and the coroner pulled back her face they didn't want me to see her body it was pretty damaged and he said Mr. Evans is this your wife 
And I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. I said, could I just have a minute with alone? Absolutely. You, you take as much time as you need. He exited the door and I turned and I looked at the gurney. I saw Monica's face and I laid my hands on her and I said, God, I know you can raise the dead. I ask now that my wife, Monica, would come back from the dead in Jesus' name. I waited about 30 seconds, nothing. I did not get some strange miracle. I didn't write a book on how she went to heaven and came back and has a great story. I left her there on that gurney. At the end of my prayer, I put the cover back over her face. I turned to the door and grabbed the doorknob. I turned the doorknob. And when I turned that doorknob, I heard a voice. It was the voice of the one I'd been communing with while I was playing guitar. It was the voice of the one I'd spent six or seven years with talking to and singing and reading. And I knew when I heard my name, I heard Mark. And I knew, I knew it was him. I knew him. I didn't know why, but I know him. I knew the voice, Mark. And I stopped with my hand on the doorknob and I said, yes. Do you think your wife would rather live with me in heaven or you in Statesboro? You've heard that story. I said, well, Lord, she'd choose you any day over me. Over uh, uh, heaven, over Statesboro. My God, there's Nats. Now, if it's Hawaii, it might be different. I was getting ready to walk. I heard Mark. Again, the second thing, I knew his voice. Yes. Do you think she would rather be married to you or married to me? And I said back, I said, that's an unfair question. But anybody would pick you over me. And then I heard these three words that are, it is done. Move on. I'm here today at 57 years old because somewhere I spent so much time with him, I know him now. I know his breath. I know his heartbeat. I know his tone. I can tell when he's upset with me and I can tell when he's happy with me. Oh man, there's no, nothing better than to know him. You see, we, we know pictures. We have pictures of Jesus. We know Bible verses. But do we know the real, alive being called God who has a voice and a presence and a power that wants to commune with you every single day so that you don't just quote scripture. You know his tone. You know his sound. You know his voice. You know, and you don't get that spending hours in Netflix and YouTube and Hulu you gotta get with him you gotta lock yourself away you gotta listen you gotta pray pray always you gotta stay with him so when life comes a dog eat dog you're like oh I know his voice I know his sound I know his tone I'm not even worried here's what Paul will go on to say 
He says, I know him firsthand. How many of you today in the blue, the high privilege, how many of you know him firsthand? You've heard his voice. You know his tone. You don't need to know if you're Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostal. You need to know him firsthand. Have you had an experience with him? Have you spent time with him? Have you heard him call your name? Have you heard him nod his head like, I don't approve of that boy. Have you heard him applaud you and say, good job? Because he's living, he's alive, he's breathing. But Paul goes on to say, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. I picked that translation because it felt more like my personality. (laughs) Insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all. I've gotten rid of it. I threw it in the trash so I could embrace him and be embraced by him. Not only are you supposed to know him, here's the emotional side. You've got to start embracing him. You have to embrace him. This hand is do you know him? You spend time with him. Do you know his tone? Do you know his sound? Do you know his heartbeat? Do you know his will? Do you know his word? You will not ever get that from Amazon Prime. No Uber driver is going to bring it to your front door in a book. You have to get with him. First hand, but second hand, you got to embrace him. This half in half out, sort of committed, kind of committed, come to church once in a while, read my Bible when I have time. No, 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 no. That's sloppy. If you know him, you embrace him. And in the middle of a storm, I ain't letting go. I am not letting go. Would he let your wife die? Shut up, devil of hell. I know him. And because I know his voice, and rather than your pain, oh, I ain't letting go of him. I'm not letting go of him. Well, he ain't answering your prayer. He let Robin get cancer. Shut up. Get behind me. I don't need to hear your voice that my wife, Robin, won't make it, that we won't make it. Shut up. I know the voice of God Almighty. And I know the Lord told me he'll make all things beautiful. I heard his voice. Robin will even tell you, I heard his voice. Everybody claps that Robin made it through. She heard his voice. She even wrote it on the mirror. This is what God told me. I know his tone. I know his sound. And because of it, we came through one hellacious few years. But both of us are still holding on and embracing him. Why? Because we know him. So maybe what Jesus said, I won't find faith because our hands open up because we really don't know him. Here's the conclusion. We got to be a people that know him firsthand and embrace him secondhand. That's the best I got as you unbuckle your seatbelt from the plane ride. I can counsel you, I can send you books, I can applaud you. But in the end, you got to know him. You got to know his voice more than mine, you've got to know his voice more than your emotions. You've got to know his voice more than your feelings. 
You got to spend so much time with him. You can hear. I know that sounds weird. You can hear his heartbeat. Oh, but those that know. Come on, anybody been that close, you know his heartbeat. You can feel his presence. That's possible. But you have to embrace him. Half foot, half in, half out, half in, half. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm calling you higher today. Let go of nothing. Hold on like you've never held on before. Don't throw in the towel. Stand with me. I want to bless you.